All right, all right. We've got the rest of the Forrest Gump soundtrack coming at you at the end of the service. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Hey, uh, welcome to church. If you got grandma to come to church today, man, you, fi- you picked the right week to bring grandma. So uh, it's all going to make sense in a minute. There is a point, and uh, Cody is going to help make the point. Give it up for Pastor Cody today. Uh, yeah. Cody, we're so glad to have you on our team. Cody just moved uh, up here from Atlanta. Atlanta. There's no second T. At, there, yeah, at, there's Atlanta. No Atlanta, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so no second T from Atlanta. So uh, Cody is on staff at ACF as our church multiplication pastor. Not addition, not subtraction, nope. multiplication. Yep. So anyway, yep. uh, we're still figuring out what that means, but essentially Cody is going to help us begin to expand our ministry from this location Uh, to other locations. And so we're so glad to have you on the team. And Cody's going to be bringing the word today, continuing in our series called Counter Culture. And so would you pray for me? Or pray for me. You should pray for me. Let's pray for (laughs) Cody. Pray for all of us. Let's pray for Cody as he (laughs) preaches here this morning. Father, thank you so much uh, for this chance just to gather together as your family, to have some fun, but also to dig deep into your word, into understanding you in a deeper way. God, convict our hearts. We know as your word is open that we are uh, transformed by it. God, that you're present and you're powerful and that you want to move. And so, God, I pray we'd leave here changed and different and convicted and encouraged. God, use Cody today. Uh, Just convict him deeply of the things that he's going to share today. And I pray that we'd be ready to hear it. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, Brian. All right. Well, good morning, ACF. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, love that I get to follow up that cover song. Uh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Mason. Uh, it's not gonna, I'm not going to sound like him ahead of all doing this, but uh, man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys and to be a part of uh, this ACF team. Um, me and my wife, had, uh, my wife Mary, had talked about moving to Alaska since uh, 2019, and we're talking about what it would look like. We were doing ministry in Atlanta. We talked about what it would look like to do ministry here in Alaska, and uh, this is just really cool for us because ACF is actually the very first church service we ever went to in Alaska. Our very first vision trip that we ever took up here, we sat kind of over there somewhere, and uh, this is the very first church we ever saw um, in Alaska and, and loved it from that, that very first trip that we took. And so just now being able to be a part of the staff and to be on this team and to be here with you guys is, is very humbling and very exciting for us. So we are, are super excited to be here, to get to meet all of you, to get to serve alongside you, and uh, just to see God move uh, in this place. Uh, and so this morning as we kind of continue this series, that we're in. We're going to be uh, in Mark chapter 12, but I want to ask a question before we get started. Has anybody in here ever felt just really spread thin and kind of overwhelmed and like you're, you got pieces of you kind of all over the place? Has anybody ever felt that way before? Yeah, a couple of us. All right. All right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we kind of get to this place maybe sometimes where, you know, life just kind of happens and you get really busy or you got things happening at work that, you gotta, that you've got to take care of or family stuff comes up or maybe we've just said yes to too many things and we're just kind of spread thin and we don't know how we're going to get all these different things done. And then not only that, but then things start to slip through the cracks and we start to kind of lose our, our grip on different things happening in our life and different things that, that we need to do and, and get done. And uh, you know, my, my wife, before we got married, when we were dating, uh, she was in this season uh, at one point where she just was, was really busy, had all kinds of stuff going on, was super stressed out. Uh, but we had this tradition that we did around um, our birthdays. And uh, this was, was around the time of her birthday. And we, we didn't, weren't really big on traditions. Uh, I think the only tradition we really have is that we don't have traditions. And so, uh, so this was one that kind of 
of stuck for a little bit, but we would go buy a cookie cake and on the, the icing on the, the, the top of it, we would uh, get song lyrics put on the cake and icing. And so that we would do that back and forth and try to one up each other with the, the lyrics that we got each birthday, right? And so, you know, Mary's like super stressed out and, and has all this kind of stuff going on. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to one up her. This is going to be the best cake we've ever done. Like I'm going to just like knock it out of the park at this one time. And so I was listening to Spotify on my way home from work one day. And uh, if you were listening to Apple Music, I'm sorry. We've got a prayer room in the back for you. Um, that's just, it's just awful. So, uh, so I was listening to Spotify and I heard the song lyric come up that said, if you had a twin, I would still choose you. All right. And I was like, bro, boyfriend of the year, right? Like I'm going to like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. This is going to be perfect. And so I called the, the cookie cake place and, and talked the, the guy answered the phone, this poor, like high school student, probably minimum wage. He's like, dude, I'm just trying to go home. Like, I like, I don't care about what you're trying to do for your girlfriend. Like, and so I tell him I have to repeat. And then I realize how, like how weird I sound when I have to repeat this on the phone to this kid. And he's just like, you want what on this cake? And I'm like, just do it for me, man. Can you please just like, just do it. And so he was like, okay, if you want, this on a cake you're gonna have to get the biggest cake we sell like I can't fit this on a small one it's gonna have to be huge and I was like well you're in luck because I didn't buy any other gifts so I can splurge on the cake all right so so I got the biggest cake that this place sold you got this whole thing put on it there's like eight guys help me carry it out to my car and get it in the back and so I take it over to, to Mary's place now she's stressed out. She's trying to figure out like how she's going to get all these different things done. And then here comes her idiot boyfriend with the biggest cookie cake anyone has ever seen. And I'm like, well, here you go. I got this. And so she opens it and she's like, okay, great. Like now, and I'm like, this isn't the reaction that I was kind of hoping for with the gift of the year here. And so uh, she didn't have anywhere to put it because again, there's this, she's just kind of spread thin kind of stuff going on. And so she was trying to figure out where she was going to put it, but didn't have any counter space for this giant cookie cake. And so she just threw it in the oven and was like, the oven's free. I'll just put it in there. And so the next night I go over to her place for dinner and we're just kind of sitting there talking and, and, and all that. And she turns the oven on to preheat it to start getting dinner ready. Yeah. And uh, so she, tur- she preheats the oven. We're sitting there talking and then we're, kind of, we're sitting there and I'm like, what does that smell? And she's like, I don't know. And like she, like, she was like compulsively like cleaning her apartment. Like it always smelled like whatever Febreze plug-in thing. Like, so this is a very weird, I was like, what is this? Like, it doesn't even smell like anything I've smelled before. And she's like, I don't know. We're kind of talking. And at the same time, we're both like, oh my gosh, the cookie cake is in the oven. And so we open the oven, get it out before the box could just combust and burn down this whole apartment building. We get the, the cake out and uh, actually the cake looked fine. Like it looked pristine. It didn't look like it had just been baked again in this oven. And so we got it out. We're like, oh, maybe we can salvage it. But we didn't realize that it was just hard as a rock. Like if we had dropped it, we would have seen the lady on the first floor, like all the way through everybody's floors going down to this other apartment. And we were like, well, this entire cake is ruined. And so Mary was just kind of, she was just spread thin. Like she had all these different things going on. There was all this stuff happening and I wasn't helping at, at all, admittedly with any of that and by adding on to this stress. But maybe you've been in that place before where you just have too many things going on. There's too much stuff happening. There's too many things to take care of and you just don't know how you're gonna get it all done. And not only how you're gonna get it all done, but just forget about doing it well. You're just trying to get stuff off the list so that you can just be done with it and finally get back to a place of feeling normal in your own life. 
But maybe you felt like that in the past. Maybe you feel like that coming in here this morning. Maybe, maybe even just feeling like, you know, summer's kind of coming to an end. Um, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, so I know that's a sensitive topic. I don't know when I can talk about that or not, but I mean, it's August, so I feel like we might as well go ahead and bring it up. But, but maybe you've been in that place before where you just feel like you've got to figure out how you're going to get all this stuff done, how you're going to give, give everybody in your life all these different pieces of yourself and then still be sane at the end of the day. Right? And so what, what we do with this is, is we start to get, to get stressed out. We start to, to break out all these different things in our life. But the question we have to ask is how do we decide who gets these different parts of our lives? Right? How do we decide who's going to get all of these different areas, all these different aspects? How do we decide who gets what in our lives? Right? And so in Mark 12... Uh, we see Jesus um, as he's, he's going on, as, as Mark is writing through this gospel, um, he's increasingly getting asked these questions by the religious rulers of the day. And the, the, the questions they're asking, they're not actually wanting the answers to it. Right? These, these tensions are rising because Jesus keeps doubling down on who he says he is. Right? He keeps doubling down on like, no, I am here to do this. And the, the religious rulers, like we talked about last week, don't love that Jesus is coming in and is, is taking some of their authority away. That they, they like being able to control people. They like being able to have the power and have the authority in these different situations. And as Jesus comes in, their authority starts to, starts to lessen. And so they're trying to figure out ways to trap Jesus and trick Jesus and arrest him because they don't like what Jesus is doing. And they, they ask a question in here that Jesus actually flips around. That he doesn't directly answer their question, which he's done a very good job of doing up to this point with these religious rulers. He actually brings up another question that shows there's a much deeper issue than what it is that they are talking about and what they are actually trying to ask. And so we're going to look at this interaction that he has uh, with these rulers in in Mark 12, um, starting in verse 13. This is how this whole interaction goes down. It says, uh, later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. All right, so I know what what you might be thinking. You're like, great, the new guy is going to tell us to give more money. Uh, That's not what we're doing this morning. So uh, so we're not talking about that necessarily, but what we're going to look at is how these religious rulers were were bringing up this question. And again, they're, they're not interested in what Jesus has to say about it. They don't actually want to learn something from Jesus. They're trying to trick, to trick Jesus and figure out a way, as it says, to catch him in his words. And what's interesting is in this story, the, the two groups that are here, the Pharisees and the Herodians, actually don't like each other. Like these are our two groups of enemies that, that they, don't, they don't like each other, but what they do have in common is they both hate Jesus. And so they're trying to trick Jesus so that they can back each other up and get Jesus arrested. Right, and so depending on how Jesus was going to answer this, if he had said um, one thing to this question, the Pharisees would have been angry and the Herodians would have backed them up. So they could do, kind of combine their power to get Jesus arrested. Or if Jesus had answered a different way, then the, the Herodians would have been angry and the Pharisees would have backed them up and they could have gotten Jesus arrested that way. But what Jesus does is he actually goes a little bit further because what they're asking is, hey, Caesar says that we have to pay this tax to him. 
Right? We're, we're not citizens. Like we, we are Jewish people. Should we pay this tax to this government? And they're trying to see if Jesus is going to say yes or no. But instead, he flips the whole thing upside down. And now they're like, well, we have nothing to do with this now. That Jesus is like, no, 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 you're not even asking about tax right now. What you're asking about is how do we compartmentalize all these different areas of our lives? Like, like do we have our, our side that, that is kind of following Caesar and then our side that is following God's? Or, or do we have these things that, that these religious rulers are breaking down their lives into these different boxes and trying to figure out which things they can get away with and which things they can't? And so as they go to Jesus, Jesus says, well, no, just give to Caesar what is Caesar and God what is God's. And the, the issue that we have here that, that the religious rulers are getting into and the issue that we can get into is that we have to start asking the question of, well, okay, what, what do those things belong to? Like what, what belongs to these different areas? Like how do we break this thing down? And if we're not careful, we actually aren't doing exactly what Jesus asked. We're actually start compartmentalizing our own lives into these different boxes. Right, and so we can't answer this question that, that Jesus has I mean, if we think that everything is ours to control. Right, if we think that we are in control of all the things that we have, we're going to start getting into trouble. And so what we do when we think that we are in control and when we think that we own these things and we think that, that we are the one that decides what happens in these different areas of our lives is, like I said, we start to compartmentalize and we, I, I think about it almost like we have all these different boxes that make up these different areas of our lives, right? Maybe you've got finances, you've got family, you've got uh, kids, you've got work, you have all these different boxes in your life. And we start to compartmentalize things and we start to break things down into things that are maybe more manageable for us to think about. Right. And, and if you're in here and you're like, man, I do that in my life. Like I'm not trying to make you feel like a bad person. Um, I've, I, a couple of years ago, I found out that I have OCD. So I'm the king of boxes, right? Like I love boxes. I love to compartmentalize things, to, to organize things, to have things the way that I feel like they should be done. And, and if I think it should be done this way, then it's obviously the right way. Does anybody else feel that way? Thank you. It's one, one guy is like, yep, like there's me and him that we're like, we're right all the time. We probably disagree with each other. So then who's right? So, um, but what happens though is we start to compartmentalize these different areas of our lives. That, that it, it feels like it's a lot easier if we think that we have one thing here in this box, we have another in this one, and another in this one. But what happens when we start to compartmentalize our lives is, is then we start to look at everything like it's a tax. Right? We start to do kind of what these religious rulers are asking, and we start to see everything as a tax when we break our lives down in just these different boxes. But when we start to think of ourselves and our own existence in just however many boxes we can think of, then now we've got to put something in these boxes. Like the box doesn't exist if we don't have anything in it. And so then we start to look at everything in life like it's a tax. And so when we look at things like a tax, the question that then uh, comes up, anytime we have to, to put something in a box, the question that comes up when we're looking at it as a tax is how little can I do? Right? Like nobody in here loves paying tax. Right? Even if we, we get it and we understand why it's necessary and why we need it, nobody loves seeing money come out of their paycheck. Right? So with a tax, there's people that we literally pay money to so that we can pay the least tax possible. And so when we think about things like a tax, what we're really trying to do is say, okay, how little can I do in these situations? And so the, the first one, when it comes to, uh, to finances, like that's an easy one to start with because that's a, a literal tax. When we look at our taxes, we're saying, okay, how little can I pay to this because I want what I've earned. Like this is, this is my box to fill up. I want what I've earned. I want to do the, little, uh, the least amount possible, right? And so that can, that can kind of make sense there. But then we start running into issues when we look at all of the areas of our life like we're paying a tax. Uh, so the, the next one that we're going to look at is, is uh, the box of following. And we start to say, how little can I do when I'm following somebody? 
And this is kind of what we talked about last week as we start to look at, at things like our relationships uh, with our boss or our, our relationships with spiritual leadership or these, these different things in our life. And we can say, okay, how little can I do to follow? Like if, if I was in that person's shoes, I would do things way better because, again, I know what's right and I know the best way to do it. So how little can I do to still follow them and still keep my job and still do the, the, the bare minimum and get through it? But, but how can I do the bare minimum so that I don't give too little and I don't put too little in that box and then I lose my job or then, or then I lose influence at work? Like how little can I do there? Or if you're in here and, and you're a kid you, or you still live at home and you're like, okay, how little can I do to follow my parents and to do what my parents have said so that it's like, okay, I can still maybe get an allowance. I can still like get some stuff from them, but I can just try to go out and do my own thing because they don't know anything, right? Like parents don't know anything ever. Like they've never known anything. That's, that's false. If you're a parent in here, I'm not trying to, I was trying to be sarcastic and I didn't work at all, but um. We think, like, how little can I do to follow what it is that they're saying? We start to think of things like a tax, and we want to give as little as we can to that as possible. Right? Or maybe we look at our relationships, that we have a, a box for our relationships. And so when it comes to that, we're like, okay, how, how little can I give to this, or, or, or how much should I give to this relationship with this person? Right, that maybe, uh, maybe you're married and, you, and you, you, know, you get home from work one day and you're like, man, we, we need to have a tough conversation tonight about something that's happened. But what's easier than having that tough, tough conversation is just paying a little bit of marriage tax. And you're like, well, instead of doing that, I'm just going to take the trash out without being asked. And then maybe that'll get us through to tomorrow night where we won't have the conversation again. And I'll keep paying another tax in my marriage to try to get through it. Right? Or maybe there's relationships that you have with, with friends and just friendships. And, and you're trying to, it's like, you know, you get together once a year because you're like, okay, I'm just trying to keep that relationship going. Or, or maybe you, you put taxes into that and you're like, okay, I'm going to pay a little bit of tax into this friend group because maybe they'll accept me. That, that if I give them enough of myself, if I do enough of these things, then they will accept me and they, they will let me kind of be a part of what's going on there. Right? Or maybe you've got a friend that does something to you or something that, that instead of forgiving them, we just take a little bit of that tax out and then put it into a different box. Because we're like, well, this person has done this and, and I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I don't agree with what they said about this thing. I don't agree with what they did to me. I don't agree with their point of view on this. And so I'm going to take back some of that tax because all these boxes are mine. And so I decide what happens with it. So I'm going to take some of that tax out and put it in a different box. And then we start to look at, at people like taxes when we start doing that. Or the, the last box that we're going to look at is the God tax. Or that maybe even this morning you came in and you're like, okay, this week's been crazy. I'm just going to go to church, check that off my list, just do it. I'm going to pay my God tax. So this week I can say, okay, God, I went to church. Can you just, can you just do this thing for me? Like I, like I paid the tax, so now can you do this thing in my life? Or maybe... I know you kind of get into this mode where, where during the week you're, you're trying to read the Bible, but you're like, man, I'm, just, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. I'm just going to do the bare minimum just to say, God, I did it. Like I, I checked it off my list. I did it. So now can you do something because I, I did the things that I was supposed to do. And what happens is we start looking at our life as all these different boxes and as all these different things. But then we realize that we actually don't have enough to fill up all of these boxes. That I don't know about you, but I have a finite amount of resources. I have a finite amount of finances. I have a finite amount of time. I have a finite amount of energy that I don't have what it takes to fill up all these different boxes in my life if I'm looking at things compartmentally. If I'm looking at things in my whole life just as these little separate segments, I actually don't have what it takes to fill all of those things up. And maybe there are seasons where we can fill up boxes more than we typically can, but there's going to inevitably, what? inevitably be some point where you cannot fill up all of these boxes. 
There will be some point where you cannot fill up all the boxes that you have, all the things that you need to do. And as you look at things like a tax, then things start to become a burden. And so then your marriage becomes a burden. Your friendships become a burden. Your job becomes a burden. And then all of a sudden, we're now in this place where this, this is all about us. We've got to fill these boxes, and we have to figure out what we are going to do with it. But there's a danger in us staying in that place and staying in this place where we look at things as a tax, where we look at things as what we can get out of it. Right? Because with the tax, we're saying, okay, if, well, if I pay this thing, I deserve to get this from it. We don't want to see our tax dollars go to something that, that we don't agree with or that, that we don't want to happen or that we never see anything from it. So when we look at our lives like a tax, we're saying, okay, if I pay X, Y, and Z, then I deserve to see these things happen because I've already done this. But, but the danger in this that Jesus warns us about in Matthew is that we can go through life just trying to pay taxes and look at things like they're just a bunch of boxes and you actually miss out on life altogether that we come to the end of our lives and we realize, man, I actually didn't really live. I was just trying to fill up all of these boxes. And so Matt, or Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, as he's kind of even warning us about this then, uh, Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. All right, does anybody feel encouraged on a Sunday morning here at ACF from the, the new guy? Um, see, see, Jesus is warning us here. He's not saying that, this is, that we're, we're destined to live this way. But what he's warning us of is that we can get to this point in our lives where our, our whole life becomes just paying a tax. And, and the, the, the thing that Jesus brings up is he says, people are going to say, Jesus, didn't we prophesy in your name? Like, didn't we drive out demons in your name? I mean, driving out demons sounds like varsity level Christian stuff, right? Like he's like, maybe people are going to say this and I'm still going to say, I have no idea who you are. That you might've done these things. You might've checked stuff off a list. You might've filled up boxes better than anyone has filled up boxes in, your, in the history of the world. But I still didn't know you. That we can spend our lives filling up boxes and still miss the point of life. But the good news is, is that this isn't a life that we have to live. That you don't have to live a life filling up boxes. You don't have to live a life worrying about paying the right taxes and the right times and these different relationships. That God has actually set up something far greater for us. Because instead of us paying a tax and then hoping we get something from it, God says, no, 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 you can't even pay the tax that's needed for you to experience life. So I paid it for you. Like God says, you, you didn't have what it takes to do this. So I paid this tax for you. And so now everything gets flipped upside down. That this is what makes God countercultural is that everything gets flipped upside down. That we don't have to live like the, the song that we sang this morning where it's like, man, everybody's like, I'm asking how much do I do? How much do I give? And the answer is more, more, more from the great prophets, uh, Credence Clearwater Revival, right? Like it's like, no, it's like God's like, I have something far greater for you. And he even says, it, uh, Jesus again says in Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So if you seek first the kingdom, then everything else is added. That, that we don't have to now look at things like a tax where we're like, okay, I just need to give the bare minimum so I can get something in all of these boxes in my life. That you are more than just a set of boxes of, of the things that you have to do or the things that you want to accomplish or the, the opinions or the things that you have. That you are so much more than just a set of boxes that you're trying to fill up. 
Because Jesus says actually that we should do the opposite. Instead of looking at all the things that we need to do, we actually seek first God's kingdom. That, that the first thing that we do is to seek the kingdom and then everything else falls into place from there. Right, like So instead of looking at things like a tax, because of Jesus and because he has already paid every debt we could ever pay and, and the paid the things that we could never pay ourselves, we now can look at things through a kingdom lens. And instead of asking how little can I do to pay this tax, when we're looking at things from a kingdom point of view, we now get to say, how much can I give? We get to say, we don't have to say, God, I, I just want to pay this God tax. So, so I just, I went to church. So can you please just do this thing for me? We now say, God, I want to seek your kingdom first. And so now we get to say, God, how much can I possibly give to you? Right? So the, the first thing we'll look at with this is with worship. Brother, when we're, we're looking at things from a kingdom perspective, we no longer just show up to church on a Sunday because we, we have to just try to pay this tax so that the rest of our week goes fine. Because that's not how it works. But God says, no, that I've actually given you everything. And so now we get to just give this back to God. That we can say, God, like, yeah, I've had a rough week. I've had all these things happen. I've had the, an argument in the parking lot right when I pulled in. Like, I've had all this stuff go on. But God, how much worship do I get to give to you this morning? Like, God, how much do I get to worship you? Because none of this other stuff that's happening uh, takes away from the fact that God sees you and that God loves you and that we get to give him back worship. When we're looking at things from a kingdom, kingdom perspective, we can look at things like our time. We can say, God, how much time do I get to give to you? That, that um, I, some of you might be like me. I don't know if this is a, a part of having OCD too, uh, but, but I, my watch is just literally always on my wrist. I'm always worried about what time it is. I'm worried about the things that I'm doing, how much time I have left. I'm literally looking at a clock right now of how much time I have left to speak. And I'm trying to like figure out like my mind is always like, how long is this going to take? How can I do this efficiently? And it is a terrible way to live. All right. I don't recommend it. Uh, but th there's always something in the back of my mind with a clock kind of counting down. And so I can get into these modes when I'm, I'm looking at things like a tax where I can say, well, okay, well, how much time is this going to take? Like, yeah, I can go help this person, but how much time will that take? How can I do this efficiently? But what's really challenging for me is when I look at things from a kingdom perspective, I can say, God, everything that I have is yours anyways. That I actually, I can do things as efficiently as possible and I still don't know what's gonna happen in my life tomorrow. And so God, how much time can I give you? Um, I, I heard somebody one time say that the speed of God is three miles an hour. That when you look at Jesus and how he lived his life, he wasn't worried about how long something was gonna take or, or what time it was, that he was actually worried about the next person he was gonna come in contact with. He was worried about the next thing that he was going to do, the next person he was going to reach, the next miracle that was going to happen because he had his hand on it. And so for us, when we look at things through a kingdom perspective, we now get to say, well, God, how much time do I get to give you? That everything I have is yours, including my time. So God, show me these opportunities. Help me think of myself less. Show me the ways that I can spend my time to glorify you. And then now instead of us paying a tax, we now actually are energized because God has given us something that we couldn't have on our own. Uh, the next one is, is our resources. That when we're looking from a kingdom perspective, we get to say, God, how much can I give of my resources? Whether that's financially, whether that's just uh, the things that you have in your own life, the ways that you can help people, the things that you can do, the ways that you can glorify God with that. That there's, there's something about us being able to look at things from a kingdom perspective and say, God, like I, I, don't, um, I don't have a lot. I don't have everything that I need, but God, I'm gonna give you what I do have and then watch you move and work with it. And using that, that just to trust God, that he is going to show up and he is going to, to meet us exactly where we're at. 
that it's not about how much we have or, or how much we're giving or, or some, some amount, of, of, like some dollar amount or some amount of things or some amount of resources that we have. But we can actually just go to God and say, God, I don't have a whole lot. Here's what I have. God, I just want you to move. I just want you to be all over this situation. That, that it now doesn't look like us paying a tax, but it looks like us giving to the one who has given us everything to begin with. Right, and then the last one we're going to look at is our energy. How much energy can I give when I'm looking at things through a kingdom perspective? Right, that we've, this summer, you know, we've had some, some rainy, I say we, I've been here for a month, but the, the month that I've been here with you guys has been kind of rainy and, and cloudy. And, and so there's, there's days where it's like, man, I just don't feel like doing anything. Where it feels great, just it's like, man, I'm just going to sit at home and just watch Netflix and just chill out and do, and do nothing, um, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not a bad person for doing that. But there is something different when we look at things from a kingdom perspective where we can say, we can tell the difference between needing a break and needing to rest, which is good and biblical and God calls us to that. And then looking at things from like, man, I just don't feel like it, but I just don't want to. But because we start to look at things like a tax, when we look at things from a kingdom perspective, we can say, God, I, again, I don't have a whole lot. God, will you give me the energy to go have that conversation that I need to have? Or God, you've, you've asked me to go uh, talk to this person that I've never even met before. I've never even talked to. So God, will you give me the energy that I need to go, to go be a light to this person that needs to hear how much you love them right now? That when we look at things from a kingdom perspective, everything changes. Because when we, when we look at things like taxes and look at things like boxes that we need to fill up, we feel like we have to do everything. That when we look at that list of areas of our life, and there's probably more areas that you thought of even as I was sharing those. And when we look at a list of taxes and a list of boxes that we have to fill up, there's going to be a certain point where we just run out of resources. We run out of things to put in those boxes. And that is a, a miserable way to live. But God has actually set this all up differently where instead when we seek his kingdom first, when we seek who he is first, when instead of looking at ourselves and making things about us, when we say, Jesus, I want to seek your kingdom. I want to see you move in this place. I want to see you do something. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to be the one that's doing it. Jesus, I want to see you move in this place right now, wherever that is. If that's here, if that's at home, if that's at work, if that's at school, whatever that is for you, God is faithful to show up. God is always faithful to show up when we let go of the things that we're holding on to tightly to, and then God shows up and promises to be there with us, right? Like I, I um, growing up, like I didn't grow up going to church or anything, even though I grew up in the Bible Belt. That just was not something that we did uh, growing up, and so I didn't, I didn't start to follow Jesus until after I graduated high school. And so I had to make the decision where I was paying all of these taxes in my life and trying to fill all of these boxes with, uh, with the things that, that I wanted to see from my life of like, well, this is the kind of job that I want to have, or, or these are the, the parties that I want to go to, or, or these are the relationships that, that I want, or, or these are the, the friend group that I want to pour into because I think that I can get something from them. That I had all of these things in my mind that I was trying to fill up and trying to do on my own. And I finally had to come to a place where I was like, okay, I can either try to fill these boxes up, I can keep doing what I'm doing, I can keep trying to fill these things and do what I think is right or do, just follow my own plan or just do what I think is going to feel good in the moment. And um, which is another story of just almost, that led me to almost getting arrested, which that'll make you change your plans real quick. And so I had to come to a place where I was like, okay, I'm, I need to be done paying these taxes. I need to be done trying to control everything. And that wasn't a, an easy thing for me to do, but I finally got to a place where I realized that God is who he says he is. That, that I was actually terrible at controlling these different aspects of my life. That I was terrible at trying to control what was going to happen and, and controlling the different things that, that I needed to be focused on. But what I realized is that God is faithful. 
that God is present, that God is always there with us, even when I felt like he wasn't, that God was actually there moving and working in ways that I never even thought that he would. And so for, for all of us, we have to decide how we're going to do that. And instead of looking at our life as a series of boxes and trying to control what's going into each one and control how much of ourselves are going into these different things, that actually the secret to not living in this, this space that's, that's spread thin and stressed out, the secret to living a different life isn't to try to gain more control from it, but it's to give up more to the one who is actually in control. That you actually don't have to have all of this figured out. You don't have to know how you're going to fill up all of these boxes. You don't have to know how you're going to uh, fix this issue in your marriage. You don't have to know how you're going to parent your kids better. You don't have to have all of these answers in your own mind because Jesus says when we seek his kingdom first, that everything else is added to us. That when we make Jesus the center, when we get rid of all these boxes in our lives and stop living life uh, in these compartmentalized ways, but when we start to seek Jesus and we make that our life, when we make that the thing that we are going after, then we're going to see God move. Then we're going to see these things fall off and this, all of these, these things start to, to kind of shift in our life. And, and things may not change overnight or things might, like God might work and do things in his own time. But at the end of the day, we are going to be so less worried about the things that we have to control and so much more at peace knowing that we just have to seek his kingdom first. And, and the reason that I feel like this works and that, that I've, I've seen this happen in my own life and I've seen this happen in the lives of other people is because this is exactly how God works. That, that I love in this story in Mark, that as Jesus is talking um, to these religious rulers, that he ha- when they ask about a tax, he actually has them bring, the, uh, bring him a coin. Right? He, he takes a coin, a denarius, that would have been a tax that they would pay um, in that day. And he asks them whose image and whose inscription is on it. So just like our currency, we've got, we've got uh, images and inscriptions of people on them that, that on that tax, on that coin, Caesar's inscription was on that. So Jesus says, okay, well, if his image is on it, if his inscription is on it, then it belongs to Caesar. So just give it back to Caesar. But that's a, an easy question to answer. What I love is that he also follows it up with, give to God what is God's. And so then that, that begs the question of, okay, well, what is God's? And if we think about it like that coin, that coin had Caesar's likeness and inscription on it, so it belonged to him. And if you go back and look at how God created everything, God's image and inscription is, is placed on you. That God's likeness is placed on you with how he created the world. That he didn't create you to, to, to have to, to deal with purposelessness in your own life or have to try to figure everything out by yourself. That God created you and breathed life into you that God created you to have purpose. God created you to have a point to your life. God created you to be with you. And so for all of us in here in this place this morning, we don't have to worry about what, how we're gonna fill these boxes in our lives anymore. We don't have to worry about who's gonna get what part of our lives because all of us belongs to Jesus, that his inscription and his likeness is placed on your life. And so you don't have to worry anymore about what's gonna happen or what you're gonna do, but just that we seek his kingdom first. That is the most important. That is the thing that changes us. That is the countercultural piece of who God is that gets us uh, into a right relationship with him. And so this morning, we're gonna continue to worship and we're gonna continue to pray and ask God to meet us here. But this week, I think this is the key thing for us to ask ourselves as we are worshiping and looking at our lives. So we need to ask ourselves this question of what area of our life are we paying a tax that we actually need to turn into a praise? What area of our life are you just trying to fill a box? 
Like you're, you're just trying to do the bare minimum. You're just trying to, to figure this out on your own and you're just trying to skate through it. What area of your life um, actually, can you, can you take that and turn it into a praise? Can you turn it into something where you can say, God, I don't know how I'm gonna fix this. I don't know how this is gonna be healed. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, but God, I'm gonna seek your kingdom first. And I'm gonna trust that you have given me what it takes. I'm gonna trust that you are working in this. I'm gonna trust that you are here and present with me in that. And I promise if we do that, if we just seek God's kingdom first, then then we get to see God move in ways that we could never imagine him moving in our own lives. And so if you would, just where you're at, just stand with me this morning as we pray and as we um, close out and worship and just take time to ask God to move and to be here in this place with us. So if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray this morning. And so Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, we thank you that you paid a debt that we could never pay on our own. God, we thank you that, that you have done more for us than we could ever imagine. And so God, we just pray this morning as we look to you, God, that we wouldn't look at our lives as a series of boxes that, that we have to figure out, that, that we have to, to do something with. Um, God, that we have to know how much we are gonna put um, into these different things. But Jesus, we can actually just look to you first. God, that, that you have moved in, in all of these different areas of our lives already. God, whether we've noticed it or not, Jesus, you have already moved. God, that you didn't create us to live in different segments. God, you created us just to, to live a life that glorifies you. And so God, this morning, as we continue to worship, as we continue to ask you to move, as we continue to seek your face this morning, Jesus, we just pray that you would move. God, that that any box that we're trying to fill, anything that we're trying to do on our own, that we would give that over to you this morning. And God, that we we would let go of that control, God, so that we can see you move. God, that you would be in your rightful place in our lives because of who you say that you are. And so, God, we thank you that we can't earn it. God, we thank you that that we don't deserve any of this, Jesus, because now we just get to worship you freely, knowing that you've done for us something that we could have never done for ourselves. And so, God, we thank you for that. We praise you for that this morning. So, God, we love you. Thank you. It's in your name we pray.